If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, everyone. It's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Remember outside. It more as a concept than as a reality. Um, although, yeah, we did go out and do a little yard work uh, the other day, which was nice. It, it actually got up to 50 degrees here in Maine. Woo! I know. Uh, things have been getting weird here. I'm sure it's probably the same where you are. Um, the other night, we were enjoying a, a few uh, delicious local craft brews and playing heads up that game with the phone. You put it up on your head. You know, Ellen talks about it all the time. Yeah. And the more craft beers that were consumed, the more ridiculous your clues became. No. Basically, it's, you know, one has a word and they try to get the other person to say the word. And so you you have to... you. It's tough. Yeah. You have to give some good clues. And I feel like good. I was spot on all night. Yeah, here's one of the clues she gave. This is that girl whose name I recognize, but I have no idea who she is, although I'm sure she's nice. It's, yeah, that <laughs> was a good one. And then you wanted to get online and start uh, planning trips. Yes. And as I mentioned, we'd had a few beverages. And I had to convince you that wasn't a good idea. And you wouldn't give up the notion of getting online and drunk ordering stuff until I convinced you that uh, during these difficult times, the internet closes at seven. <laughs> well, it was like a curfew. <laughs> and, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Sure. Um, something else that I've been uh, looking at a lot lately is my collection of Jenny Lawson literature. She's great. Which if you're not familiar with Jenny Lawson, please... Please look her up. Uh, she's known as the blog S as well. She's written uh, books. Uh, Let's pretend this never happened is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, she also has like a part coloring book, mm -hmm. part motivational kind of thing. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's magical. And it has nice words in it that that I feel like are talking directly to me. And I think that you might feel the same. And just this page that I randomly opened up to just now says, perhaps the most selfless thing you can do today is to be kind to yourself. Yeah, well, there you go. And there you go. Words that are good for any time, but... I love her. Especially during a pandemic. Please look up Jenny Lawson.
So way back in June of 2011, you remember back in those days when we could go outdoors? 2011. Yeah. In June of 2011, 32-year-old Jack Froes died suddenly. Oh. 32 years old. It was uh, determined that he had a heart arrhythmia. That occurs when there are electrical impulses in the heart that don't work properly. Sure. Uh, it causes a little fluttering thing. A lot of people have it. Some people, it's not even detected. And they think that that's probably what happened with uh, Jack, is that he probably didn't even know that he had it. Sure. So he passed away. He left a mother, many friends, extended family. Everybody described Jack as just a great guy. Really kind. Uh-huh. Really um, caring. Yeah. So did he have like... A head in his freezer? No, 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 nothing like that. He okay. genuinely was a nice oh, okay. guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There's the way you're building it up. I'm like, mm-hmm, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bodies in canisters. Yeah, for sure. No, not the case at all. Months passed after his funeral before his friends and family began receiving emails from him. Oh. From beyond the grave. Had he set up an... Oh, jeez. Well, there are services that will allow you to bank emails and have them send out. It, it works in a way where you, you write these emails and you bank them, and then the service will check in with you every so often. And if you don't verify the email they send you or the text that they send you after like six months, then they release these emails, assuming that you're dead. Wow. I just am so not good at responding to emails. <laughs> like people would be like, I'm sorry, what? She's what? Yeah. Sorry about that. That's, I just suck at emails. Yeah. It went right to my junk folder. Now everybody <laughs> thinks I'm dead. Uh, one of these services called Dead Man Switch. And that's basically what it does. It allows users to take care of any final business that they may have had left over or just send out, Aww. you know. But, I love that idea. But but this was not the case because Jack was referencing shit that was going on after he had died. Oh, that... Uh, is that a service that you can... <laughs> well, it could be, and we just don't recognize it in our dimension. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's an x-ray service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even though the bizarre correspondence has began months after he passed, they all contained references to current private events. Also, personal information in them, like inside jokes that, uh, that nobody knew except Jack and the person who got the email. Oh. You know, we all have those little... Sure. Inside jokes with people. So what was going on here? Was his spirit able to reach out from beyond the grave or somebody just maybe pulling a prank? Kind of a cruel one? I think probably it's his spirit reaching out via email from beyond the grave. You're just saying that because you were recently criticized as not being very paranormal friendly. What? Yes. No. Yeah. People are all like, Jethro's always, always in on this stuff. And Kat's like, no. So you're trying to change your your, your perception, aren't you? <laughs> like we just sat through some sort of a weird focus group. I am just being open-minded, as I always have been. <laughs> if it was somebody pulling a prank on the family, how incredibly cruel is that? To, right, that to sucks. Pr prank a grieving family over a really nice guy who died at 32. <laughs> In 2012, the BBC did a story on this case. Oh. And those closest to Jack came forward to share their firsthand um, accounts. In that story, Tim Hart, who was Jack's best friend, described him as, uh, you know, he was my right-hand man. We 
And that the two were inseparable since the age of 17. They were like high school buddies all the way up through Jack's passing. He said uh, it was five months after Jack had passed. Life was starting to get back to normal a little bit when either Jack or someone pretending to be Jack started sending him emails. Now, were they just like, hey, I hope everything's well? Did they speak of Jack's having passed? Did they speak as though he were not dead? What's How did that... There were things like... The two had joked about how dirty Tim's attic was. Um, and Jack would always say he was going to come over on the weekend to clean his attic. It was just one of those little things mm-hmm. that, that friends friends share, little inside jokes. <laughs> and one night, uh, Tim was just scrolling through his phone when he received a message from Jack. And the subject line was, I'm watching you. And it read, did you hear me? I'm at your house. Clean your fucking attic. <laughs> <laughs> I like I don't it feels threatening slash funny yeah I, <laughs> well Hart insists that they were the only people that knew that little attic uh joke it was an inside thing okay Jack's cousin Jimmy McGraw broke his ankles a few months or ankle a few months after Jack's funeral McGraw was uh, laid up for a week when he received an email allegedly from Jack The email read, hey, Jim, how you doing? I knew you were going to break your ankle. Tried to warn you. Got to be careful. McGraw told BBC that uh, he likes to think it was Jack. Quote, I look at it as if he's gone, but he's still trying to connect with me, trying to tell me to move along and to to feel better. To watch out for curbs. One of the possible explanations for this particular email is that, uh, well, I guess all of them really, somebody had logged into... Um, Jack's email and began sending messages to his his friends and family. Everyone who got messages claimed that no one knew his passwords because if they did, even if they did, they wouldn't have sent messages. It's just kind of a cruel thing to do to people who are grieving. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, not that people don't do cruel and terrible that's things. That's very true. I mean, he could be sending you know, fingers and toes and being like, this is your son's toe. <laughs> you know, people do that too. They they do. So yeah, you have, it's a great point you have there. At least, at least he wasn't, these are lighthearted. At least he wasn't dismembering family members and mailing body parts. But what would be the motivation for a stranger to hack into Jack's email and, and do this? Not all of the emails were able to get through to his friends and family. Uh, his cousin, Jimmy McGrogan, claims that an email asked him to pass along a message to uh, Jack's other cousin, Rock. The email from uh, Jack said that he couldn't get through, that the fucking email didn't work. In an interview with BBC, McGraw showed the message, and it said, uh, tell Rock, great song, couldn't get through, so on and so forth. I love the concept that uh, this guy curses after death. He's just like, yeah. One of the strangest parts of this story is Jack's relationship with his cousin, Frank, a.k.a. Rock. Uh, Once the BBC began running videos about uh, Jack's emails, Frank began leaving YouTube comments about them, about how Jack was visiting him in his dreams. And he said that he was trying to write a song about Jack, but but was coming up against writer's block, but that his cousin Jack was visiting him in dreams and helping him to complete the song. And so the message, of course, that was to be passed along after all of this had been documented in the comments with timestamps and dates and everything Mm -hmm. was, hey, great song. Now, if I were to get messages from a dead loved one on my cellular device, first thing I'd do is hit the reply button. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they all did. Everybody did. Once uh, Tim, who, who got the first message, received that uh, unexpected email from his friend, he immediately responded, hoping to hear back or hear, you know, answer some questions or something. And so did everybody else who received messages, but no one ever got a response. He never replied. So they weren't really able to definitively get to the bottom of what was going on there. Right. It's entirely possible that Jack was, in fact, reaching out from beyond the grave. It's entirely possible. <laughs> sure, it's entirely possible. Entirely possible. <laughs> or it could be some stupid, unsupernatural thing that doesn't really interest me. Um, there, there are a bunch of services, like we mentioned, Dead Man Switch, mm-hmm. that, that sort of thing. The things about these websites is that you have to set them up with messages before, and all of these things that he was mentioning had happened after his funeral. Outside of Jack's circles of, of friends and family, everybody believes the emails from Beyond the Grave are a hoax. Pretty much everybody does, except for those who have received them. The most common thought on the emails is that maybe a friend hacked in and was was doing this, maybe a misguided attempt to comfort people. Sure. But nobody knows for sure, and uh, it doesn't appear as though his email is active in any other ways. And it appears that only a small circle of friends and family have received these emails. He's not like being He's not spammed emailing out. Kellogg's and being like, hey, great new cereal. <laughs> I love those crunchy oat bits. No. No. Okay. no not, um, not this time. Question. Was he a supernatural, spooky-looky kind of guy? Does it, Do you know? I don't know. Is it something that maybe he would have poo-pooed and one of his friends is like... <laughs> That's a good point. Or he was a diehard believer and everybody poo-pooed him and he set all his stuff up. Maybe he gave his password to somebody, an accomplice. But then again, he didn't know he was going to die at 32. So... Sure. I don't know. So people have criticized this story, saying that it's got to be a hoax, although it has not been definitively proven either way. The members of the family and friends say that that's proof enough for them. They don't really care if you believe Right. It doesn't really affect anyone else anyway. They're not writing a book or making a movie about it. They have no financial interest in it, Um, at least at the time of this this article. Maybe they do now. I don't know. But- Jack reportedly has not contacted his loved ones since the initial correspondence. Hmm. But this isn't the first time this sort of thing has been reported. I mean, this is the most in-depth story that I found on this. But uh, a few years ago, there was a guy who claimed um, he was getting Facebook messages from his girlfriend, Emily, who died in a car crash. Oh, my gosh. In 2012. They would, it would just be weird things. Like one just said, please stop. Another said, I don't know what's happening. And then there was one particularly disturbing message that said, my jumper's in the dryer and it's really cold. It's really cold out. Cold, cold. Nathan, Nathan, freezing. Nathan was the the guy's name. Well, that's, that's not uh, a heartwarming message at no, all. No, it's not. Not at all. You're dead and you're worried that your jumper's in the dryer. Well, they shrink very easily and... <laughs> If you would just pay attention to that, I'd have a larger wardrobe. <laughs> anyway, um, food for thought there. It reminds me of that episode that we mentioned not too long ago from Twilight Zone where um, oh, yeah. the guy was getting a call from his dead mother and uh, and then he goes to visit her grave and the telephone wires down from the pole and just lying across her grave. Right. But I love the idea that maybe there's some way 
that we can hack technology from the beyond. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, there, there are, of course, EVPs. You know, I guess that could be considered hacking technology from beyond. I've heard some pretty amazing ones. The thing is, with, with my mind, I as you know, I want to believe this stuff. Right. But I hear uh, different grades of EVPs. I hear ones that are being touted as, oh, they're saying this. And I go, it just sounds like somebody inhaling abruptly. It doesn't <laughs> sound like any word at all. I've never heard one that sounds like real words at all to me. I've heard some that sound amazing. And then my mind goes, well, they sound too good. They can't be real. You know, so <laughs> so even though I want to believe it, my mind keeps telling me, no, you don't. Yeah. Well, then you should do some more research. And because there are lots that sound just just as they should. They're like, because the ghosts are talking through the radio. That's, that's incredibly open-minded of you, Katrina. Yep. Ghosts. And now, that thing in the middle. Here are words that are actually listed in the dictionary that are not only uh, weird, but fun to say. Bumfuzzle. What is bumfuzzle? It refers to being confused or perplexed or flustered. It's something that probably, you know, your grandma used to say. I'm all bumfuzzled. I love it. Number four, arenaceous. So arenaceous refers to something or someone who resembles a hedgehog. Okay, there's a word for that, all right. Yep. Number three, collywobbles. That refers to the weird feeling in your stomach, um, like maybe you're, you're on a roller coaster or yeah. something. Collywobble. They think it came from the disease cholera. When you started feeling ill, when you had cholera, they said you had the collie wobbles. Oh, collie wobbles. Number two, Yarborough, which sounds like a town in Maine. <laughs> this refers to when you're playing a game of cards and the dealer deals a hand without any numbers above nine. <laughs> <laughs> a Yarborough. And number one, Fliberty Gibbet. That was first used in the 15th century. Only was spelled differently than we, we spell it now. Uh, it refers to a person who is flighty. Yeah, that's that yeah. one I'm familiar with. Fliberty gibbet. I would say our old therapist was a fliberty gibbet. She was a fliberty gibbet, yes. <laughs> the Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away. And my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's 
A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code oddities at checkout. And you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're going to start in just a second, but we've always been curious what this button does. Oh, right. This is the Box of Oddities. Ruthie sent us an email. No, it wasn't an email. It was a Facebook message, but that doesn't matter. Hey, guys, I thought I'd share a little heartwarming tidbit with you. Uh, My husband and I found your podcast by chance during a long road trip while we were headed to see our family for our baby shower. We fell in love and would listen constantly. Oh, it fell in love with the podcast. Okay. When it was time for me to have the baby, I was in labor for four days. Oh my God. And we listened to your podcast the entire time to keep me distracted from the pain. Um, After my C-section, while we were stuck in the hospital, we continued to have all of your podcast episodes going. Typically, now I listen while I'm driving to work. I left it on today while driving my son and I home when What You Got For Me played, my son lost his shit. He was laughing and kicking and just so happy. They say that they remember what you play 
when they are in the womb. I guess that's true. I've heard that listening to Mozart music can uh, can cause all kinds of beneficial uh, side effects. It, actually, it's called the Mozart effect. Yeah, and, and I know that if you listen to Mozart while you're studying, you're more likely to remember the things that you're studying. Yeah, some of the uh, benefits of the Mozart effect are Im- it improves test scores, cuts learning time, calms hyperactive children and adults, reduces errors, improves creativity and clarity, and heals the body faster. That's That's interesting. It really is. Mozart effect would be an interesting topic in and of itself. It sure would be. What you got for me? Speaking of that. (laughs) I wanted to talk about urban legends today. So what is an urban legend? Uh, Well, we all know of them. Uh, It's generally folklore, uh, stories that circulate as true, especially as having happened to like someone you know Mm. or someone from the next town over. This guy I knew. Yeah, my friend's aunt. You know, um, there are often horrifying or humorous elements connected to it, something that makes people want to share it. um, And They can be entertaining. They can often spread concern or a mysterious peril surrounding those those troubling events. There can be some sort of moralistic uh, story behind it. So like, you know, couple were necking by the lake and they were both slaughtered because they were necking and you shouldn't go neck by the lake. By the man with a hook for a hand. Right. Exactly. That was actually real. Oh, uh-huh. That actually did happen. So anyway, it did. There's a, <laughs> there's often that kind of background moral to uh-huh. it, you know, it's sure. to keep the kids from necking. Basically, isn't everything? Anyway, <laughs> um, and a lot of times they will uh, be connected to people's current fears. So you know, whatever's going on in the world uh, can be connected to you know. Well, oh well, this is scary. Yes. Well, my friend's aunt. This happened to her, and blah blah blah. So urban legends grow and change as the years go on, depending on what we're scared of. So with this pandemic, this is an opportunity to create a bunch of really good urban legends. This pandemic would create a lot of boring stories about people hanging out in their houses. <laughs> but, so I was hanging out in my house. There's this element of fear, though. And I realized how dusty it was on top of the refrigerator. Oh! Maybe it could be about how somebody leaves their house during a pandemic and the horrible thing that happened to them. Maybe. To, to a guy you know. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's rife for opportunity. Some of the surplus face masks that were shipped in from China are actually infected with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Now you're creating some sort of like deep fear in someone right now. They don't need that shit. No, I was just making that up. Because I want my own urban legend. Yeah, well, you can't have one. Damn it. Um, They are to inspire fear, and that's not what we're about. Okay. Stop it. Good point. Anyway, sometimes urban legends are based on real events, and that's what we're taking a look at today. Nice. A urban legend that is true, that has happened on multiple occasions, and it's the story of the body under the hotel bed. In Mineola, New York, in a motel in 1988, a body turned up in a box spring. Cornelius Walls was arrested in September of 1988. Walls? Yeah. Like your last name. Yeah. Is this a relative? It's not. It's n- No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, mm. Yes, 
He lived in the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, we share a last name, but I don't think we're related now. Okay. Um, I'm getting on Ancestry right now. <laughs> I'm going to track it. Cornelius Walls was arrested in uh, September of 1988. He had actually kidnapped another woman as well and had her held hostage when the police were able to apprehend him and she was safe. So that's good news. Um, but the body of Mary Jean de Oliveira were found at the Oceanside Motel, stuffed under the platform bed in the room that had since been used by several guests, at least one of whom complained about a bad smell in the room. I'll bet they did. So it had been under the bed for a number, a number of days. Yeah. In July 1996, a woman's body was found under a mattress in the Colorado Boulevard Travel Lodge in Pasadena, California. The motel staff discovered that body 10 days after oh. she'd been killed and only after guests had complained for several days of the foul odor coming from the room that they were staying in. And nobody did anything. Nobody did anything. Oh, good Lord. June 10th, 1999, the rapidly decomposing remains of 64-year-old Saul Hernandez were found inside the bed in room 112 at the Burgundy Motel in Atlantic City. A German couple had spent the night sleeping over his remains and went to the manager the next morning to complain about the the smell, uh, which led to the discovery of that corpse. The lumpy mattress. Very possibly. This is not a rare event, unfortunately. It's also not clever. So if you're thinking like, hey, I'll kill a person and then jam them in this hotel mattress, it's not clever because it has happened on multiple occasions. You're not smart. Stop killing people. That's my message for today. Don't kill people. In July of 2003, a man checked into the Capri Motel just east of downtown Kansas City and complained about an odor in his room. Management told him that there was nothing that could be done about the smell. So he spent three nights in the room before checking out because he could no longer stand the smell. Oh, no. The cleaning staff came in that day to make up the room, lifted the mattress, and underneath found a man's body in the advanced stages of decomposition. I would hope that in that case, that man got a refund. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or at least they comped his breakfast. One of the oldest bodies left under the bed stories comes from 1982. Richard Kuklinski, Daniel Deppner, and Gary Smith were a team of people who ran around uh, together a lot doing like auto theft scams. And the two other men decided that they were going to kill Smith and get him out of their Ring? Sure. Can you, can it be a ring with just three people? A very small ring, okay. yes. Okay. Yeah. So they laced his hamburger with cyanide <sighs> in a motel room in New Jersey. And uh, when, as he started suffering from the, the poison, he was then strangled to death. 
They then stuffed Smith's body under the bed, and it was found four days later, December 27, 1982. Unfortunately, during those uh, four days in between, the room had been rented to others each of those nights, and each of the guests had complained about a smell, uh, but the the body was not found until that fourth day, um, and no one thought to look under the bed. Yeah, if if I checked in to a motel or a hotel and there was a foul odor i would do some investigating i would i wouldn't be expecting to see a body under the bed but maybe somebody left some food or Mm. something under there that was decomposing well i mean we were in a room a couple of months ago that we had to change rooms because the smell of fresh paint was just too much for us (laughs) so um (laughs) we we have very high standards (laughs) We're not going (laughs) to hang out with a a body, I think. No. Then there's the story of Sonny Millbrook of Memphis, Tennessee. Sonny was reported missing in January after she failed to pick up her kids from school. It wasn't until March of 2010 when homicide investigators were called to a room at a budget inn motel where Millbrook had been living just prior to her disappearance. And her body was discovered inside the frame of the bed there. Mm. The room had been cleaned and rented several times since her disappearance. But she had been bare for seven weeks (sighs) while guests stayed and slept on top of that box spring. Wow. Wow. Was it just maybe it was like low season and there were a lot of vacancies and so the room wasn't um, occupied the entire seven weeks, maybe just a couple of times at first. I, I just, because I can't possibly imagine why. I do not know. Oh, good Lord. I don't know. Obviously, it, it makes sense why this kind of story does circulate. And, you know, we've all stayed at hotel rooms that mm-hmm. maybe I shouldn't say we all have, but uh, I certainly have stayed in hotel rooms that were less than awesome and maybe had a, a little, you know, blood splatter, weird smells. To yeah. Yeah. We've talked about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I one think of the that first, was... one of the first things we shared. Yep. That was, that was terrible. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. There was no body, but the tub was still full of water and there were pubic hairs floating in the toilet and on the uh, toilet rim. There were flush hairs. There were flush hairs. There were also hairs in the bed. And toenail That had been made, but not changed. Yeah, right. So anyway. That was a good uh, time. Let's not get back into that. We didn't stay there. We left. No, no. Man, we've left a lot of hotel rooms. (laughs) (laughs) We suck. (laughs) Anyway, that's uh, one of the few uh, times that you will see that an urban legend does come from things that have actually happened. Mm -hmm. And uh, fingers crossed, it never happens to you. Yeah, no kidding. There was a documentary I saw. I think it was on uh, Amazon about, or maybe it was Netflix. It doesn't matter. It was about that sort of thing where these urban legends like the poisoning candy at Halloween, Mm. you know, has become like this big urban legend. That was rooted in reality. It happened in the, I think the early 70s in Texas. Um, Somebody was, was actually doing that and they called him the candy man i want 
you to cite your sources, or I will continue to believe that you're telling me I'm an just, urban legend. Just telling you an urban legend. Now, okay. We right. did I, talk I, about. Let me look up. Look it up. An older lady. She was part of one of our things in the middle for one of our live shows. Um, who was handing out these packets of not candy to kids. Um, Things like steel wool and ant poison. Yes, and yeah, right. Yeah, yeah that was um, that was not great. Uh, but she was just she didn't intend for people to eat that. She just didn't like kids coming to her house when they were all too old to yeah. trick or treat. She said. Yeah, I found it. Halloween 1974. A Texas man named Ronald O'Brien gave cyanide laced pixie sticks to five children, including his son. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Hmm. So that's where a lot of that is based on. And the lady that you talked about with the ant poison, that was even earlier, 64, 1964. How do you remember that? Uh, it was on the same list that I just oh, okay. took a look at. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah. Dude, right? <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, very interesting. But I usually am. Well, You're a very well, impressive man. Stop it. You. I will never. Stop. I will never stop singing the praises. You're gross. Anyway, anyway. Um, that's it. We're gonna uh, we're gonna stop talking now. And again, remember, once you turn this podcast off, it ceases to exist. So, um, if you would document the fact that you have listened to it by leaving us a positive review, uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen, we we appreciate it. It uh, it helps us grow the show. And we'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so. Let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the box of oddities commits to the telling of stories, stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com On Facebook at Facebook.com slash Box of Oddities Podcast On Twitter at Box of Oddities And Instagram at Box of Oddities Podcast Copyright 2020 All Rights Reserved history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts hi i'm neil and i'm ken and we are from the triviality podcast a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast.